I'm reading some verses from the sixth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, and this is a chapter, by the way, that uh, Dr. Schaefer read yesterday morning at our morning service. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Say, you know, uh, sometimes we think we have a lot of trouble about little friction that comes up in Christian work. But it's a rather significant thing that they've always had trouble like that. Back in the early church, in the apostolic days, when the power of God was upon them, the Greeks and the Jews had some trouble about whether their widows were treated right or not. And the Grecians said, you Jews don't treat our widows right. We don't get our share of the ministrations that we ought to have. And they had a fuss about it. And out of that strife came this wonderful organization we read about here. You know, human nature hasn't changed a bit. It's the same thing it's always been. All down the ages, you are kin to everybody that ever lived in this world. You are made just out of the same dirt they were made out of. And when you get to be a Christian, after you are saved, born again, you have that treasure in this earthen vessel. Now listen. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason. That is, it isn't sensible. There isn't any sense in the way we run in this thing. Let's, let's get down to the practical. You know, it's interesting how practical the Bible is. It's the most practical book you ever read. You know, people think that you're going to be a Christian. There's something so mystical and so high above the earth and uh, so heavenly-minded attitude, you know, that, that really and truly it isn't practical, but it is. If you just study this story, Paul was the most practical man I think I ever read about. Uh, you take right here. Yeah, this is a very sensible thing they said. It is reasonable, they said. For us folks here who are tied up with the ministry of the Word, preaching the Word, uh, we, we ought not to be running around just to straighten out little matters of this kind. We're too busy. We've got big problems on our hands. So they said, uh, Brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Get men with good records. You know, uh, if you're going to ever be worth much to God, you've got to have a good record. You know, sometimes God picks men and fixes them up. But if you're going to be a, a trustworthy servant for Jesus Christ, you have to be trustworthy. Get a man of good reputation. Young people, your reputation is going to count in all the future years. You remember that when you get out. People are going to say, say they're right here. Ten years from now, this school will be getting letters about some of them. What about so-and-so? And I remember I wrote some time ago, I said, well, all I can say is that fellow stayed here four years on the microscopic scrutiny of this institution if there was anything wrong with him, we never learned it. We never found it out. And the usually the fellow comes here, if there's something wrong with him, we do find out before he leaves. And I said, I can recommend him, and I'm sure the president of here can recommend him. Now I said, get you some men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Not only a good record, but filled with the Spirit. Now listen. And wisdom. Men that know what to do. Whom we may appoint under this business. And uh, we'll give ourselves to continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And uh, the saying pleased the multitude. You know, it was sensible and reasonable. They said, well, that's, that's a good suggestion. Blessed is a man that knows a good suggestion when he hears it. You know, I've been in so many conferences. Some fellow get up and make a suggestion. And uh, everybody had it sense to use a good one, and some folks would pick it to pieces. They said, that's sensible. That's all right. And, you know, I've been in some conferences where a fellow would make a suggestion that uh, didn't have any sense in it, and they'd go ahead and accept it in there. You know, we tell the members of our staff, and always have, if we make a suggestion that doesn't appeal to you, argue with us about it. Pick it to pieces. You know, men that want to do God's will, if there's something wrong with the suggestion, they want to know it. 
You know, if I made a suggestion, here's the founder of this school, anybody connected with this organization, however humble and lowly the person's position might be in this organization, I'd want him to argue with me. I'd want him to argue with me. I made a suggestion. Now then, as the founder of the school and chairman of the board of trustees, if I finally decided the thing was right, after weighing all the evidence, then I'd expect the person that went ahead with me, to, if he stayed here, to go ahead with it. Because there wasn't any moral principle at stake anyhow. But, you know, uh, you people say, well, I can't make a suggestion to him. If you're working for somebody you can't make a suggestion to, there's something wrong with him. He's a little man. He's a two-by-four. He's a little peanut-brain fellow. A man wants suggestions. A fellow that's eager to do a job for God in the right, he wants suggestions. He wants all the help he can get. You know, I, I never shall forget when we started this school. Struggling back there when I knew nothing about education and just sweat blood as only God knows about. I'd go around and beg people, tell them what to do. And uh, they'd tell me. I remember a suggestion. We gave a prize the first year the one that made the best suggestion. And the Vesper Services was suggested by a person to build our music and speech department. We gave that person a prize. I forget what it was. I think $10 in gold. At the end of the first year, you could get a little gold in those days. It's been a long time since you've seen any gold now in this country. But you get a little gold. I, if I remember, it was $5 or $10 gold piece for making that suggestion. Had the Vesper Service. Most of the things in this school that have been made have come to us. And let me tell you something. Some of the most wonderful things in this institution have been the result of suggestions made to us by people that you never think could make a suggestion. Why, you know, back there in the kitchen, they, uh, we've had people like that say, you know, I believe we can save a little money here. I believe we can do this kind of thing. Everybody's glad to get suggestions. And people that you can't suggest anything to, they, they're little folks that have no vision. Now, they said, that's a good suggestion. Let's, uh, let's carry it through. And they said, well, that's, we're delighted with it. And so they got these men. Now, you know the story. Uh, Stephen was one of them. Philip was another one. Uh, those two remarked men and these other people here that you don't hear so much about. You knew these two people, Stephen and Philip. Now, I'll take this verse down here. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. That is Stephen. Now, here's a man chosen by a group of people. Uh, the apostles laid their hands on him and set him apart for a special job. And they prayed this man into the position, and they chose him after prayer. And they uh, laid their hands on him and uh, ordained him to the job of going out here in this line. And yet what a mighty man of God he was. His, he, he handled the business and looked out at these things and tried to solve the problems, but he had something. What was it? And they were not able. That is this crowd, these wicked people, these religious bosses. Uh, these fellows here that uh, resented Jesus Christ, I said yesterday, it's a remarkable thing. As I told you yesterday, how when Stephen's there was talking to him, he's brought before the council, you remember the story? He went on down there and told him all about it. And he kept talking to him, told him how they treated Moses and Abraham and how they treated the prophets of the Old Testament. And uh, they, they gritted their teeth and, and shook their fist that way, but nobody threw a rock until he said, I see Jesus. The one they had been for was Jesus. They didn't have been for Moses. They resented the Stephen picking on them. They resented Stephen telling them about it. They resented Stephen's condemnation in his message. But they didn't throw a rock till he said, I see Jesus. When he said, I see Jesus, they we won't listen to that. They stopped their ears and ran upon them. Say, that shows how much sense they They just said, now I wonder if he does see Jesus. But they didn't. They rushed upon him. Now they beheld here. They couldn't stand up against his wisdom. They, they couldn't resist his spirit. They had no answer to his wisdom. They had no answer to his spirit. And their answer was a rock. 
Their answer was death. Their answer was to shed his blood. There's nothing as terrible as human nature when it gets stirred up with prejudice and hatred of that kind. Now, I want you to notice two things. Stephen here, and they were not able to, uh, to resist the wisdom. You know, let's get back to that wisdom business. Uh, wisdom is knowing what to do. That's wisdom. Uh, he knew what to do. He knew what to say, see. And listen, and his spirit. You know, spirit's the way you do the thing. It's how you do it. You know, sometimes men have wisdom and don't have right spirit. You know, sometimes some of us know what we want, know where we're going. Don't always have a right spirit. We just so, we're not patient sometimes with people. We're, we're sometimes intolerant. I, I know that so. It's the rarest thing in the world to find a great scholar, a great intellectual man who's tolerant with people who are, uh, maybe can't see the thing. Things are clear to him, and, and once in a while, though, you find a man that's very patient, that particular, but it's an exception. Now, wisdom is knowing what to do. And uh, spirit, that's the way you do what you ought to do. You know what to do and you go do it, but you do it the right spirit. Now, Stephen had both. He knew what to do. He knew what his job was. He knew what he was called to do. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He knew what to do and he had the right spirit. Blessed is a person like that. Most remarkable thing is that when Stephen was out there and they were stoning him, you'd have thought anybody on earth would have resented. He said, don't lay it to that charge. He was sweet even in the midst of death. He had the right spirit. Young people, you are not here in this school to get wisdom. You can get wisdom in your closet at home. You may be here in the school to learn how to get wisdom. Maybe God sent you down here and you've been converted on this campus. Or maybe you came here just a, a new Christian and didn't know how to get wisdom. God may have sent you here so he could learn how to get wisdom, but you didn't come here to get wisdom. We don't have wisdom here. It comes down from heaven. You can't get that in the schoolroom. You get that from Almighty God. There isn't any man that knows how to do anything he ought to do in this world and do it right unless he's in contact with God. There isn't a businessman in this country that knows how to run his business unless he's in contact with God. There isn't a lawyer that knows how to practice law that isn't in contact with God. Oh, he may think he knows, but he'll mingle into his law something that doesn't belong there. Now, you know, there isn't any school teacher in the world that really knows how to teach that doesn't know God. You have to get that from God. Now, let's remember that. There isn't a preacher that knows how to preach. All the theological seminaries in the world can't make a preacher out of a man. That is the right kind of preacher. They may make a theologian out of him. But you can't give a man wisdom in a theological seminary. He may learn in a theological seminary how to get wisdom. But he got to get that from God. Now, Stephen had been in contact with Almighty God. He is filled with the Holy Ghost. And being filled with the Holy Ghost, he had wisdom. They couldn't resist it. When he stayed, the thing was clear. You know, I never shall forget, as I think I told you before, that William Jennings Brown had more wisdom, I think, than any man I ever met. I have in my files of a letter that Brian wrote me one time with his own hand. I was a young fellow. He wrote from a town in Arkansas. He's passing through. I wrote him and made a little suggestion. I was very audacious, maybe me to do it. At that time, I was young, but I had been around over the country, and I said, Mr. Brown, I have a little idea about something. I believe you could be nominated uh, for president of the Democratic Party in the convention in New York in a few weeks if you would simply say something like this. I've been over this country. I know what they're thinking about, and I think just a little statement like this. You don't have to go too far, but... 
And I asked him to excuse me and said, maybe I shouldn't do it, but, but I'm such a partisan, such a brown partisan. I just can't help but write And I did want to see him lick his enemies, you know. The way there's religion in me, but they cussed him and lied about him and persecuted him in the underworld and done everything mean to him. And uh, he stood for the gospel and the word of God. I thought about him. I was down here in Florida the other day. I was down there in Miami. And I remember how Mr. Brown, just between trains, I told you once before, just had an hour, came in there and went down to see his sick wife and came back and I saw him walking down the aisle of the tabernacle 30 years ago. I'll never forget one of the most wonderful blessings of my life. Walked up and sat down by my own platform, put his arm around me and said, you know, I just wanted the people to see me here. I want them to know that I'm interested in this soul-winning effort. I'm sorry I can't stay, but I just want them to know I'm for it. That's the kind of man he was. So I made this suggestion. Mr. Brown wrote me and said, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I agree with you that that might be all right, but... I, I just can't conscientiously do it. He said, uh, I have such definite convictions along this line that I just can't conscientiously do it. Well, of course, uh, I didn't understand why he couldn't, but, but I respected his conviction. And I was in that building up there, sat there for 12 days, and I saw Brian stand up there, and nobody could resist him. They hated him. They despised him. They despised him because he was right and his position was right and he had wisdom. They may not love you. They may hate you, but they can't resist it. They couldn't put Jesus Christ on a cross until the light of it. Then when they came out there to look at him, they fell back in his presence. Now here he was. He had wisdom they couldn't resist. He knew what to do and his spirit was so good. Somebody told about Mr. Brown in that convention. They say he's right on that platform, sitting out right here. Then. Kept arguing about it. After a while, of course, a lot of folks there, all sorts of people, all kinds of religions on the committee. Then Mr. Brown said, uh, gentlemen, would you object if we had a prayer? And bowed his head and prayed right right that platform. You know, uh, people can't resist that sort of thing. They couldn't resist Jesus. They couldn't resist those people. They couldn't resist Paul. They said he's had so much learning, he's crazy. And they couldn't resist Stephen. And they can't resist your wisdom if you get it from God. Uh, They may hate you and despise you and persecute you, but they couldn't resist you. Now, I want you to have wisdom. I want you to keep in contact with God, and you can get it if you try. Now, wait a minute. Stephen had wisdom to do what God wanted him to do. Now, God never called anybody to do anything without supplying necessary wisdom to do that thing to which God called him. God called you to be a housekeeper. God will give you wisdom to run your home if you ask. God called you to be a missionary. God will give you wisdom to be a missionary if you'll stay home and ask God for it. You know, so many people, you can't tell them anything on earth. They know it all. You'll ask God. God may give you wisdom through advice from somebody. He may send it to you instead of just giving it right direct to you. He may pass it on to you through somebody else. I'm going to Japan. I don't know a blooming thing about Japan. Not a... Now, I'm not going to Japan next week, leave you on Thursday and get over to Japan and tell them how to run that government over. I don't know anything about it. I'll get advice over there my own boys and girls. Haven't been there but a year. We've got a wonderful group over there. I'm going to... By the way, there, there's a man over here on his way back from Japan. I told about yesterday, I believe. On his way back from Japan for more missionary boards now. Wants to come down here. Wants a hundred more missionaries for Japan. 
I think we could supply that number right here at this school. Why, it takes a year or so to do it. But, you know, when I get away, I'll ask him. I'll ask anybody. You know, sometimes, now, you, some, maybe God Almighty gave uh, wisdom and judgment to somebody uh, and uh, that knows the situation better. I say, what about this? What about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? Now, as far as the will of God for my life's concerned, nobody can tell. That's between me and God. Steps of a good man are ordered of God, the Bible says. Commit your will to the Lord. Trust in Him. He'll direct your path. He'll guide you. He'll show you which way to go and, and lead you along the road. He'll have you trust. That's between you and God. But on the road, you may run into somebody and ask some practical questions. Now, this institution has always been practical. We believe in being practical. You know, one of the things that makes this institution and sets it apart is an intense evangelistic fervor with a practical slang. That's a thing you rarely ever find. You can go up and down this country. If you find it practical, it lacks fervor. If it has fervor, it's not practical. And in this institution, you're getting a sort of an education. As far as I know, it's a little different type of what you get anywhere in the world. Zeal, knowledge. Fervency, practical. Combination right out fun. Now, Stephen had wisdom. And they couldn't resist it. And he couldn't resist his spirit. He was such a gentleman. He was so sweet. Courageous. Never flinched. Never dodged. Never took back water. Didn't let him shove him around out of the will of God. Yet his spirit was right. Oh, young people, it's so easy to have the wrong spirit. Jealousy of somebody. Why, Stephen could have said, uh, you've been better to Philip than you have to me. I've known folks like just didn't have the right spirit. I'm preaching to all of us. All of us have been guilty. I think maybe everyone else ought to go to the morning's bench about that. It's mighty hard to keep the right spirit. Folks persecute you, pick on you, lie about you, misrepresent you. You know you're straight, you know you're honest, you know you're trying to do the right thing. Misrepresent you many times, there you are, going ahead. And you know you just, how you feel. You just want to, you know... Pull up your sleeves, spit on your fist, you know. Listen, <laughs> if you can stay sweet, keep fighting, but don't let the milk of kindness in your veins turn to clabber. Stay sweet. Listen, you don't have to be kicked around. You don't have to take any backwater. You don't have to dodge. You don't have to be a foot mat. You don't have folks come around and dry their feet on you and get the mud off. You don't have to do that. Paul was a man. He never flinched. He said, you put me in here out of Lord. Take me out. You've got rights. You've got rights as an American citizen. You have rights as a Christian. You have liberties and privileges and rights. You're not to sacrifice. Whatever right I have under the American government, I'm going to demand it. I won't try to be a gentleman. Don't be shoved around. You don't have to be an anemic, uh, bloodless sort of a fellow. You can have backbone, character, but keep your spirit sweet. You know, I've blundered around my life, but I can tell you one thing that I can say honest before God. I never hate anybody in my life. Sometimes I see a fellow, I think, you dirty old crook. 
I never am going to love you anymore. But next morning, I wake up loving him. I don't admire him, don't trust him, don't believe in him. I watch him. God didn't tell me not to watch anybody. Folks say, take a thief and turn him loose in your house and don't watch him. I wouldn't. And that's not sensible. If a man's ever drunk whiskey and I smell something on his breath, the six months after he's converted, it smells like liquor, I'm going to be suspicious. He's a drunkard, wasn't he? Converted drunkard, yes. Drunkards relapse, yes, sometimes. He smells like he's had a drink. I'm not a fool. I'm not absolutely certain. Get a little closer. Won't kiss it. But move up. That's liquor. That's liquor. Watch it. Boy in this school ever steals one time, I always watch it. Fellow's a thief. My old mother said once a thief, always a thief. That's not always true. The worst thieves ever lived was converted. But if I ever knew a man to steal one time on this tent, I'd sort of keep my eye on him if I had something I didn't want to take away from him. So you'd watch him. He evidently must have a stealing propensity of some kind. That's all right. Watch him. If a people say, I want to be trusted. Listen, if you're honest, you don't care who sees you. There isn't anybody on earth that might say, turn on my life. Turn on the love. Jesus Christ said, look at me. Find something wrong with me if you can. Who can convict me of sin? Paul said, I've lived in all good conscience all my life. It's all right to watch them. Don't trust them if they're not trustworthy. But you can have the right attitude towards every human being. Anybody on this earth, I don't love. My spirit's not always right temporarily, but I get over it. Young people, if I had my life to live over again, I'd try to be a different man. I've tried to grow old sweet with the right kind of slant, right kind of attitude. I think I could make some improvements if I could go back. Now, you be true to Jesus Christ. Get wisdom from heaven. Find out what to do. If you think you ought to do something, do it. Do it. The spirit is the way in which you do it. It's the attitude you have to it. He had wisdom he resisted. And a spirit that men couldn't resist. And this same man, Stephen, when he died, Paul standing there holding his clothes. He couldn't get away from him and save his life. I'll always believe that that's the thing that got hold of Paul. And when he cried out to Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I imagine the first thing he said in his own heart was, I held Stephen's clothes. That man's spirit. Something about it you just couldn't get away from. Wisdom. Wisdom. Listen, get all the knowledge you can. Put your nose in a book and study. Study. Dig it out. Learn everything you can. Everything you can learn, learn. Digest it. Help you. Fire. Wet your intellect. Take care of your body. But ask God Almighty to tell you what to do. Ask Him what He wants you to do. Get wisdom from above. That's the only place you can get it when you get it. Decide what you ought to do. Do it. Do it if hell freezes over. Do it if the stars fall. Do it if they shoot you. 
do it if they cut your head off. But while they cut your head off, don't cuss them. Don't fuss at them. Don't be ugly. Don't be mean. Be sweet. Keep the right spirit. Always the right spirit. Everywhere I run around this country, I run to be say, well, you know, I never got the brakes, you know, I never had much chance. You know, if I'd have just been standing in with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, that's an awful condition to get in. When your spirit gets wrong, you're just wrong, see. Everybody's got to in for me. I'm being persecuted. I'm this. I'm that. You go through life. You're just wrong yourself. Listen, if you have the wrong spirit, you're wrong in your own heart. It's not with the world, it's with you. Under any condition in all circumstances, by the grace of God, you can keep the right spirit. Now, you keep as a student and keep it when you get out in the world. Wisdom from above, grace in your heart, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you'll go places for God. You may die, but you won't die in vain. The death of Stephen wasn't in vain. That prayer comes down the ages, and we listen to it today, and it puts us under conviction. Let's be true to him. Oh, Lord God, we cry unto thee for help. We are poor and needy and weak and helpless and human and frail. And we pray thee for the power of God, the power of God upon us. Give us wisdom. We won't know what to do. If you walked on this platform and told us, we'd do it if we could. And you wouldn't tell us we couldn't. So help us to be faithfully and give us the right spirit. Keep us sweet. Keep us sweet on Bob Jones University campus. Keep us sweet in our relation one to another. Student in relation to student. And save us from the strife and discord and friction that's dividing groups and institutions and causing all the sorrow and turmoil. May this be one little haven, one little haven in this world where when people come here, they can see how beautiful it is for people to dwell together in such wonderful peace and harmony. Keep us faithful to thee, and we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.